Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Friday, September 16th, and today we are going to be looking at key fantasy questions from the Central Division. Last week, we broke down the Atlantic, so check that out if you haven't done so already. For today's episode, I'll be joined by Zach Hanshu and Jared Johnson, as I believe we are making, guys, Round Ball Stew history. My sources say that you two have never been on this podcast at the same time. Jared, I'm wondering, how is this even possible? Could this be true? Uh, I think it might be true. I think it might be true. But I think that we've got together the dream team. And today is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal podcast. I'm feeling that, man. Zach, we do the Wednesday in season. You know, we do the four by five or five by five episode where it's like four or five guests for five minutes each. I mean, have you guys even like passed like ships in the night? Have we even had like a, oh, Zach was here now. I mean, I can't believe you guys have never been in the same <laughs> You guys ever even talked before? Guys, is this the first time you're meeting in person? We have done a Twitter Spaces. We okay. have done a Twitter when the, when Twitter Spaces were still a thing. Are I gotcha. still a thing? Well, They're not. Say yes. <laughs> say yes. So that's where the Dream Team was born uh, on a on a previous Twitter Spaces. Got it. Well, glad glad we're back. I'm excited. All right, let's dive into these key fantasy questions from the Central Division. Uh, as I said last week when we did the Atlantic, we're not going to be talking about every single first-round guy on these division previews because you don't need us to tell you that Giannis should be drafted early in your fantasy drafts. Uh, so we're going to start, however, with the Bucks at the top of last year's Central Division standings. And this team really has one main spot of fantasy intrigue, and that is at center. So that's where we're going to focus. Last year, Bobby Portis was a top 60 guy, around 14.5 points, 9 boards, 0.7 steals, 0.7 blocks, 1.83s. But guys... He did a lot of that damage while Brooke Lopez was out due to back surgery. Lopez returned late in the year, posted kind of some classic late career Brooke Lopez numbers, around 12.5 points, four boards, 1.2 blocks, 1.53s. Zach, coming your way first, uh, can both these guys be fantasy relevant, or do you envision a scenario where uh, they agonizingly crush each other's value? I don't know if they necessarily crush each other's value. I, I think Lopez is still going to be viable, uh, you know, when they're both healthy and, and available. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Bobby Portis is the guy that I'm really most concerned about. Uh, as you mentioned, had a tremendous year uh, with Lopez out of the lineup. Uh, since they've been on the Bucks together, they've played 77 games together, 61 apart. Um, Bobby Portis's numbers uh, with Lopez available, uh, his points are down by four, rebounds down by two, and his blocks and threes, which Lopez specializes in, get cut in half. And his minutes are down by eight from 29 to 21. So pretty significant sample size and pretty significant downturn for Portis. So he's a guy I'm, I'm not actively going after this year. Yeah. And um, I mean, we don't really have to look too far to get an idea of what this looks like with both of them healthy you can just go back to last season and last season bobby portis was 11.4 7.1 boards 1.1 triples and 0.8 steals that's just late round value it's not that impressive mm -hmm. there's not a lot of upside there and you know brooke lopez there's not a lot of upside there either honestly i don't think i'm kind of mad on both these guys but between the two i do think that lopez will have fantasy value it's yeah. not that high. It's like 10 points a game and two triples and 1.5 blocks. That's useful as a late round target. But um, yeah, I just think that Bobby's going to get crushed this season. 
It's interesting because I think you guys laid out a scenario that I envisioned too. It's where the best case scenario has Bobby Portis being the best fantasy player, right? And that's if Brooke Lopez is hurt, or, you know, the, the good times roll like they did last year, you know, but if both are healthy, it's like you almost have to take the more boring guy here, especially when he's going to have a later ADP most likely. So Lopez, super boring. I think we agree on that, but blocks, a hard category to find. We all agree. Uh, 1.2 blocks per game is like probably his floor, honestly. That was in 23 minutes per game. So I don't Went know. Went up to 1.5 during the playoffs when he was receiving yeah. 27 minutes a night. So Right. So, I mean, look, does he get rested during the regular season? Are his minutes in check? Probably. But, I mean, that guy's on the floor. He's going to get you, you know, some blocks, and he gets some triples along with that. You don't want to have, like, five guys as boring as Brooke Lopez on your fantasy roster this season. But if this is your most boring player and you got him in the late rounds, I have no issue with that. And I think at at ADP, it's going to probably be a better pick than Bobby Portis as long as Brooke Lopez is healthy. Yeah, and I, I think his ADP is probably going to be depressed just because he played 13 games last year. But prior to that, very durable player, a, a guy that's probably going to come yeah. back and play 65 or 70 games this year. So as you mentioned, yeah. boring but safe. Yeah, it's it's literally a pick that just complete crickets in the draft. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, no reaction. Nope. Guys, what do you think? Huh? Anyone? No? Okay. <laughs> Moving on. So, yeah, that's the Bucks. I mean, I don't know that there's a lot more. I, I, I'm not really compelled by shooting guard on this team. Um, you know, have have at it if you want to draft Grayson Allen. We, we've kind of had that experience before. But I'm ready to move on, guys, to Cleveland. And if you're coming here for a long discussion of Donovan Mitchell and the team's backcourt, I want to suggest that you go to our very recent podcast archives for that. We hit it in a fair amount of detail in a recent episode. So go check that out when you're done with this. If you want to know the fallout for Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton in Utah, etc. For this episode, we're going to focus on the Cavs front court. And Jared, I know you are interested in talking Evan Mobley, who has a rookie, as we know, guys, 15 points per game, 8.3 boards, 1.7 blocks. Uh, I dug into my uh, stat head account on basketball reference. One of eight players in history to average 15 points eight boards one and a half blocks or better at age 20 or younger the other seven players are Shaq Anthony Davis Carl Anthony Towns Chris Weber Elton Brand Kevin Garnett and Joe Smith so really okay rare air for really rare air for Evan Mobley Jared you said you've, you've been seeing this guy go very early in some recent mock drafts how early have you been seeing him go and is it worth it well here's the thing I went when I was seeing him go this early, I've been seeing him go round two, round three. That's yeah. awfully high. But when I was kind of researching this and I was looking up his numbers from last season, you know, he's top 80 if you weren't punting free throws. But if you were punting free throws, he was top 50. Mm-hmm. So to expect him to take a leap, still punting free throws, from top 50 to top 30, 20 spots in the rankings, that sounds like something he could do if he got more, say he averages uh, two blocks a game or maybe a little bit more than that, a little bit more scoring, a little bit more rebounding. I mean, it's possible for him to get there. Still, though, round two or three, I just feel like there's more proven talent that I want. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with round four, but I'm not someone who's going to be reaching for a sophomore player. I I want a proven guy round two or three. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. Four, round four is probably the benchmark that I would go with as well for him. Uh, I think second or third round is far too early. 
Uh, I mean, even if he does improve on the points, the rebounds, uh, I mean, the blocks, which are very valuable, are, you know, 1.7 as a rookie is tremendous. Um, But is he going to shoot 60% from the field? No, because he attempts threes, unlike Jared Allen. Um, So he's he's a little bit better than that traditional center role that you'll see from Allen. Um, But he's still, you know, obviously he's a sophomore. We could maybe see a sophomore slump even, uh, you know, with some of those efficiency numbers. Um, So, yeah, round four or five, awesome. Round two or three, yeah, it's a hard pass for me as well. The rational side of me agrees with you guys that four feels like the sweet spot. I could see myself, though, in some drafts after a couple, you know, cold sodas saying, (laughs) wow, round three, man. I just want to take a swing for the fences. Like, and and if we're talking about a guy who could just absolutely break out and completely crush it, you know, I don't think, I don't think you guys would look me in the eye and say, there's no way this guy averages like 20 points and nine rebounds this year or 19 and 10, you know, with two plus blocks. It's not out of the question, right? So I guess I can see it if you want to be a really aggressive drafter. Uh, in the third round, I understand. Round two, though, I I, I agree. Too many, too too many proven guys on the board there. Yeah. Um, but hey, I mean, it's exciting if you want, you know, if you want to live. <laughs> no, yeah. If you want to live dangerously, that's the opposite <laughs> um, of proof. Well, we all, is. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It truly, you will get. You want to get some reactions? Take take Evan Mobley in the second round. Um, we also want to hit his front court teammate Jared Allen, who is coming off a season where he averaged. 16 points and nearly 11 rebounds, throwing 0.8 steals, 1.4 blocks. This guy was a third-round player himself in nine-category leagues. But if we take him near the end of the third, let's say, and I know this is a question that our colleague Ryan Knauss wanted to ask, are we drafting Jared Allen at or near his ceiling, ceiling and therefore, you know, making a mistake? Uh, yeah, I think that is a mistake, and I think that's a, a pretty solid tenet of being a good fantasy basketball drafter is, or a good fantasy drafter in general is don't draft a guy at his ceiling. Um, you you want to draft a guy where you can get a little bit of value. Uh, Jared Allen last year, you could get him you know, around pick. I, I think he was going in the 50s and 60s last year, if I remember right, so that mm-hmm. was a big-time value. Evan Mobley, big-time value. Um, so guys like that, you definitely – once they break out and you start having to draft them at ceiling, there's better picks at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not taking him in the third round. If I can get him in the fourth or fifth round, which I'm certain probably not going to be able to do, that's fine. But otherwise it's a mistake. So I don't know about uh, Allen being going in the third round. Um, I just looked up his ADP. It's, it's uh, around 47. So that means kind of late round four, round five territory. And, and there I'm absolutely fine taking him. Um, do we think that Allen can mm-hmm. take another leap? Yeah. Yeah, he's 24 years old. He is not in his NBA prime yet. I could see more blocks. I could see more rebounds. So, yeah, mm-hmm. as center, you know, you're going to have to punt free throws. But if you can get someone like this in round four, round five, I'm fine with it. So his, his free throw attempts per game were, oh, yeah, 4.2. I mean, that's 4.2 and 71%. I mean – he alone, he alone won't crush you. So I, I wouldn't say you're in punt territory necessarily, but you're in be careful territory. Be careful with your other picks uh, yeah. if you take this guy. All right, we're gonna move. We're gonna move now, fellas. And again, if you find yourself you want some some Cleveland point guard and shooting guard talk, go check out our recent podcast about the Donovan Mitchell trade. We're gonna move though to the Bulls and. This is one case where I do want to start with the leading scorer from last year and the best fantasy guy because I'm told 
you two have some disagreement about whether we like DeMar DeRozan this season. Now, to set the stage last year, get ready, because I pulled out the stat head account again one more time. This past season at age 32, okay, you can tell me if you guys think these numbers are too random, but I, I try not to put in too obscure numbers to make the search interesting. But one of five players to ever post 27 or more points, five or more rebounds, four and a half or more assists, while shooting 50% from the field past the age of 30. Did you get all that? 27 points, five rebounds, four and a half assists, better than 50% from the floor, older than 30. The others are Carl Malone, Larry Bird, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Just a spectacular, rare season from DeMar DeRozan. He's 33 now. So guys, what is the argument here? Uh, or I'm sorry, I, I, I'm obligated to say, what is the demargument here, guys? I apologies, I apologize. Thank you. Who's for, who's against? Let's have the... Let's have the four side first. I am for DeMar DeRozan. I think that he is going to be relatively fine. I think that Zach's argument is going to hinge on where we draft him. And I will acknowledge that at the top of round three does feel early to me. But towards the back of round three, I'm pretty much fine with it. Now, here's the thing with DeMar. Uh, I know that you're only healthy until you're not, but he has been healthy for most of his career. He only has one injury plague season. That was seven years ago. He's been fine ever since. I think Zach's going to say that he can't average 27 again. Okay. But how far is that number going to drop? Is it going to be less than 25? I don't think it's going to be less than 25 points a night. And Who's going to be taking shots from him? Now, we already know that Lonzo Ball, he's hurt. He's hurt already. This man's hurt. I mean, plenty of dimes for DeMar. Plenty of playmaking opportunities. So I think that he has a pretty much a safe top 40 floor. Uh, I think he was top 30 last season, top 30. Mm -hmm. I believe that's right. Um, So back around three, top 40 floor, I I don't mind it. And I don't think that that's necessarily drafting a ceiling. It's just drafting a really good player in round three. Yeah, so I just want to thank Matt for, one, for saying the word demargument, and two, for making my making my argument for, making my demargument for me. Um, hey, you, you name guys like Larry Legend and Mailman and guys like that alongside DeMar DeRozan. Uh, so do we really think he's that guy? Is he going to be a all-time great when it's all said and done? Absolutely not. He's a tremendous player. He had a tremendous season that I definitely applaud. Um, but he's not going to do it again. Um, uh, Jared, you asked what his fantasy finish was last year. It was 27th in per-game value, best of his entire career at age 32. Uh, prior to that, he was a slow and steady top 50 guy. He just absolutely balled out last year. So at this point, his ADP is, last I checked on Yahoo, was 29th. So again, you're drafting him at ceiling, which is something I'm not interested in. Unless I take major swings with my first two picks and I really just want a safe guy, then I'll go to Rosen. Otherwise, in a vacuum, there's plenty of other guys that can, you know, their ceilings are much higher. Uh, guys in that range like a Bradley Beal, for instance, who can get me first-round value. Uh, DeMar, you know, DeMar DeRozan is never going to be a first-round guy. Um, so, you know, what would be the purpose of me taking him right there at 27, 28, 29, 30? and potentially banking on another career season from him, which is not going to happen again. Well, I, Would the delegate from Nevada care respond? <laughs> I, I, I don't think that, you know, of course he's not going to be an all-time great. 
But we're also in a different era of basketball where players' careers are going much further. How old is LeBron? He doesn't not look like he's slowing down. And it, no, I'm not going to com- compare LeBron's him. 55. I'm not going to compare oh, him to LeBron. 30, was he 38? But I just think that, you know, the, the cliff used to be 30, to be a perfectly frank. And it's not that anymore. I think it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's closer to past 35. Maybe that's when we start seeing drop-offs. But I just don't see how a guy who averages 27 points – you know, not too long ago, is just going to suddenly go back. Is he going to score 21 points a game? I mean, when he was scoring 21, it's because he had a, a LaMarcus Aldridge next to him. LaMarcus Aldridge is a pretty darn good NBA player. DeMar DeRozan is at the point in his career where he's the best guy on his te- on this team. No one's taking shots from him. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know if he's the best player on this team. I think Zach Levine might have something to say about that. Um, I, I also think this year Lonzo Ball is not going to open the season healthy. We're not sure when he's going to play, but I think we can probably all agree he will play this season. Uh, I think Nikola Vucevic. who I hope so. Yeah, we can talk about that in a we minute. We can talk I about it, so. yeah. I, I mean, but I think Nikola Vucevic, whose uh, shooting percentages, if you drafted him early last year, you know his shooting Third percentages option. were way down. Um, Patrick Williams is going to be back. And I, Fourth option. You know, I'm not uh, – well – I, again, these are still shots that need to be taken. These are still efficiency numbers from Vooch that are probably going to go up. Um, and I think if Lonzo is healthy, he's going to take some of those assist numbers away from DeRozan. So, and I, I'm not, I'm not talking to Cliff here, right? I'm not saying, man, he's going to be a, a top 80 guy this year. No, he'll be a top 40 guy probably. But I'm not taking him early third round. That's way too early for me for a guy that'll probably finish in the 40 to 50 range. I mean, hey, I give that to you. I, I think the top of round three, there's there's better talent on the. But t- once we get towards the end of round three, you know, the difference between these rankings start to get get less and less meaningful the further you get down them. Mm-hmm. And and towards the bottom of round three, I don't know. He, um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to have him on every single one of my teams this season, but if I find myself in a situation where I need the stats that he's going to give me, which is a lot of them. Uh, I have no problem taking him towards the end of round three. Yeah, at this point, I, I'm on the side of I don't I'm not worried about Demar Derozan's age. I think that's just a number here. Um, the guy's game is so much skill at this point. I mean, he's just like an absolute mid range artist. Yeah. Like I I don't see a big drop off in points. Twenty seven point nine is a huge number. I mean, I, it wouldn't shock me if that fell like twenty five, twenty six, just just because this is a team with a lot of options. But I mean, to me, the biggest thing against Derozan is. It, you got even during this spectacular season, you only got 0. 0.7 threes, 0. 0.9 steals, 0. 0.3 blocks. So I think if you're drafting him, I think there's two areas where you need to have your eyes open. Number one is, I think, Zach's point where, you know, his ceiling probably is capped around what we saw last year. So you have to have that in mind and you have to have your you know roster build in mind where he's not going to be an asset in steals, threes or blocks. And he's going to help you in those other areas. So you build your team accordingly. I think. I get why you draft him. I don't know that he's going to be a major target for me, but but I do get it. And I think I'm not expecting a big drop off bottom line. Do, guys, do you feel all right with where he landed here? Are you ready to move on? <laughs> yeah. I think we yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel like we couldn't, you know, we couldn't even talk about DeMar DeRozan without mentioning Lonzo Ball like three times. So we have to talk about that next. You know, last year was playing so well for the Bulls and for fantasy managers. The season abruptly ended. You know, we all remember oh, Lonzo Ball has knee soreness. Okay, no big deal. Oh, wait, Lonzo Ball's having surgery. It's a torn meniscus. He's still not back. In fact, according to a report from Jamal Collier and Ramona Shelburne a couple weeks ago from ESPN, Lonzo is doubtful for the start of the regular season because of lingering pain and discomfort. 
it's September. I yeah. mean, the fact that that came out at the start of September is alarming, guys. Uh, so, Jared, uh, first things first, are we staying away from Lonzo entirely if we're drafting today? And either way, who's your preferred insurance or your preferred pivot here among the likes of Goran Dragic, who's now there, Io Desunmu, who really had some great moments as a rookie, Alex Caruso, who I know you love, so on. Caruso's my guy. That's who I think is the guy that you want. Like, I get Io, but I have my heart set on Caruso. Um, Lonzo Ball, do we avoid him entirely? Well, before that report came out that he was uh, doubtful for the season opener, doubtful, mm-hmm. um, I think he was ranked in the in the 67 range on Yahoo. Now, after that report, I've seen him go as late as 90. And what I wrote, I actually I, I wrote up the bulls for our draft guide. And what I wrote about uh, Lonzo was I wouldn't take him with the mid-round pick, but towards the 90s, he's towards the 90s, he starts to gain some value uh, as a value target. Because at that point, we're getting pretty deep in the draft. And this is a player who's capable of top 30 numbers. Will he be on the court and win? Those are questions we don't know. Mm-hmm. And the amount of time that he's taken to recover from a relatively minor knee procedure, I believe it was a six to eight week timetable. We're well past six months at this point, and he's not going to be ready for the start of yeah. the season. So did he experience a setback recently? Like what is going on here? So Zach, before you jump in, uh, I was just going to say, I talked to talk to Casey Johnson um, from NBC Sports Chicago, who covers the Bulls. We'll hear from him in a minute, but I talked to him earlier this summer. He said there's a bone bruise that had lingered, and that was kind of the issue. The meniscus was fine, but there's this lingering bone bruise. I don't know if that's what's still the issue in September. Casey and I talked in June, but that's just a little perspective. But, but go ahead, guys. Uh, Jared, did you have one more thought? Yeah, just one quick thing about Lonzo that I think pretty much destroys him is he's i think it's only one or two seasons he's been available for every game in march i think it's one and um he's really only had one healthy season uh and that was Mm -hmm. about three years ago so it's just he's been injured for most of his career at this point um we all know what he's capable of doing when he's on the court it's awesome but he's just never on the court yeah, and I think I think you're right. If I was going to go for anybody, uh, just as an insurance policy or just a guy to pick up, um, you know, other than Lonzo in the backcourt, uh, I think Caruso is going to have the best probably per game numbers, uh, just because he kind of has that upside to you know lead the league in steals, which is a very valuable category in itself. Uh, but he's also a guy. He's a very physical player. He's a guy that's had a lot of injuries in his career too. I'm not yeah. going to really count on him playing too much. Um, so if I had to just in a vacuum overall, uh, it's probably going to be Io. Uh, I wonder if he can do enough on this team as well. Um, you know, high field goal percentage, but again, he's a low threes guy. He doesn't score a lot. Um, he really did turn it around when he was uh, in the starting lineup. He was 11, five and four with a steal and a triple. Um, so those are useful yeah. numbers. And I think he played 64, 68 games. If, I can't remember exactly. Uh, so yeah, he's the guy I would go with, but I, I'm not really interested in any of these guys. Um, Outside, you know, I'm not interested in Lonzo, Caruso, or DeSumo. Um, I'll take Vucevic, DeRozan, or Levine. Yeah, Dragic adds a scary layer of depth there as well um, to that to that backcourt. By the way, Lonzo, you know, we talked about DeRozan, uh, 1.9 combined steals, blocks, and threes. Lonzo last year before getting hurt was 
3.13s, 1.8 steals, 0.9 blocks. Ooh. Man, he was having quietly such a special season, man. It was so much fun to have him on a fantasy roster. And uh, yeah, still not over that one. 35 All games. Right. <laughs> man, I don't know, though. If you're, if you're talking 90 or later in a fantasy draft, I won't take him in every draft, but I could see myself in some drafts getting pretty tempted. Yeah. As yeah. Like, if he's going to miss a month and I get him there and then he comes back and has a stretch where, you know, as you said, a top 30 upside guy, you know, mm -hmm. when he plays. So it's an interesting gamble to take at some point. Yeah. Before we leave the Bulls behind, uh, I want to talk about a guy we've also already mentioned, a potential sleeper, Patrick Williams. Now, when I talked to Casey Johnson, the Bulls insider for NBC Sports Chicago this summer, uh, I asked specifically about Patrick Williams' potential ceiling, and here's what Casey had to say. Well, the Bulls see him as a breakout guy because they obviously use such a high draft pick on him, and they've been pointing to him as kind of being the area where they can most see improvement because of the you know, internal improvement because they don't have a lot of cap flexibility. He's an intriguing guy because physically you look at him and he's got all the tools, right. such a two-way talent, big body, physical, strong. But he does have some issues with passivity. I mean, mm -hmm. he just seems like he has too many periods where he disappears. And he talks about how he understands that. And his teammates and coaches talk to him about it. But then he still has those. Now, you do point out that he had some big games in the playoffs. And I give him credit because you could look at last season and with the wrist surgery that he had, he missed so much time. And you could say, oh, lost season. But then he came out and played at a pretty high level in the playoffs. I probably am a little bit more skeptical than some on him just because I, I see the physical tools, but then I uh -huh. see the issues of disengagement at times. So we'll see how it plays out, but I personally know that the Bulls need him to play at a high level. They need that next wave of talent, and Williams represents that. Okay, so interesting because it's you can hear Casey, you know, there's intrigue here. There's there's the passivity issue he mentioned, Zach. At the same time, they need him because, you know, this aging core. Uh, where do you land on on Patrick Williams as a potential fantasy sleeper? And then we'll hear from you, Jared. Yeah, man, far be it for me to argue with a guy that, you know, spends all this time around the team, covers them for a living. But um, I'm going to go ahead and say Casey. Argue with him. Yeah, Casey, what's up, man? You're wrong on this <laughs> one. I think, I think Patrick Williams – Patrick Williams is a great fantasy sleeper this year. He's a guy that I am actively targeting at the end of drafts. Uh, I mean, you can just look at how he performed at the end of last season, right? He was injured for most of the year, and he came back. When he was back, he was averaging 15-5 and five in the starting lineup, uh, solid field goal percentage, uh, solid defensive numbers and threes. Uh, and the guy can score when he wants to. I mean, obviously, he talked about some disengagement there, but he finished the playoffs with two straight 20-point games, one of which was a double-double. Uh, he had a 35-point game mixed in there to close out the regular season. Uh, so I think anybody that worries about him, you know, just being a defensive stopper, which is, I think, a big reason he got drafted so high. Um, you can also look at his work on the other end of the court, too. He can score. He can defend. He can shoot threes. Um, so I think if fully healthy this season in year three, I think he's going to take the next step forward. And he's a guy that can really exceed his ADP right now, which is outside the top 100. Zach set that up really nice. Uh, all of the all the stats are there. You know, this guy's a former number one overall, uh, former number four overall pick. Uh, he's yep. 21 years old. Brandon Ingram didn't really pop off till he was 22. Uh, so I don't think that we should write off players that were picked as high as he was. He's shown us mm -hmm. the flashes. He, I think, is basically an afterthought 
because of not being available for most of last season. But like like Zach said, he showed us he showed us in the postseason what he's capable of. Closed it out with two highly efficient twenty point games. Um, I would like to see some more rebounding. I'd like to see him be more aggressive on on offense. I'd like to see a little bit more in the defensive categories. But you know, if we're talking about someone that you're taking kind of a last round pick on, maybe there's something here. All right, guys. Yeah, I, I'm I'm generally trying to take the optimistic approach. I, I do file away what Casey says about you know the passivity thing, and that's a little worrisome. But again, like you said, super young still did have those flashes. I think he had that 35 point game when everyone was resting. So we don't want to overreact to that but uh an intriguing player so i've come away impressed and i and if he's going in the last round i'm interested we have two more teams to hit that will be the pacers and the pistons first we're going to take a quick break across america bp supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like building grid scale solar energy in ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in texas it's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, We'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And this is just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, and in Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Bears and Packers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. And by the way, the Roto World Draft Guide, NBA Draft Guide, is live, so check that out at NBCSportsEdge.com for rankings, projections, exclusive columns, and more to get an edge in your upcoming drafts for the season. Okay, gentlemen, two more teams to hit, starting with the Pacers. And the first thing we have to talk about with this team is something we did hit a little while back this offseason. That's Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, he posted second-round value overall last year between two teams. Overall, he oh, no, excuse me, not overall. After joining the Pacers, his numbers took a jump, 17.5 points, around 9.5 assists. 1.2 steals, 2.23s, I believe 0.6 blocks. I mean, in a story on basketballnews.com from Alex Kennedy, Halliburton openly talked about wanting to be a 20 and 10 guy this year, which by the way, if you look at his Pacers numbers, it's not even that far of a leap. Zach, I think I've already talked to you about this, but uh, let's refresh people's memories. Where will you be drafting Halliburton? Where will rational drafters be drafting Halliburton? Where should we draft Halliburton? And, and should he actually be a first rounder this year? Man, are you calling me irrational here? <laughs> no no not exactly no i uh i'm saying i i sense that you are abnormally excited about halliburton and you might be right i am abnormally excited yeah i uh i ranked him fifth uh in our staff uh top 200 rankings Ooh. for roto world yeah yeah very 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 high so that's gonna raise his average a bit for anybody that's taking a look at our rankings that's that's, that's hot yeah 
It's it's coming in hot for this one. Um, I did a mock draft on Monday for Locked On Fantasy Basketball, and I took him. I was I think I was ninth in that draft, and I took him ninth. Um, and that's a great spot okay. for me. So I think for our Roto World mock tonight, I believe I'm picking eighth or ninth in that one. And if he's still there, it's going to be Halliburton for me all the way. You know, he was 22nd last year with 15.3 points, 8.2 dimes. Uh, 2010 season would propel him into that first round. Uh, and I think he absolutely can get there this year. He's going to be a usage monster. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see a huge decline in efficiency from him. He's a very efficient guy. Um, it's not like he's going from, uh, you know, not touching the ball very much to all of a sudden having the ball in his hands all the time. Um, he's been a primary facilitator over the last two years, even while playing alongside De'Aaron Fox. Uh, so I don't think we should worry about uh, a spike in turnovers or a decline in efficiency with him. I think the counting numbers are going to go up. The efficiency will stay the same, if not maybe a tiny decrease, and it'll be enough to push him into the first round. I don't see why he wouldn't be a first round guy. Look, he was top 22 throughout the entirety of last season, top 18 with the Pacers. Um, so towards the end of round one, early round two, I'm fine with that. Zach at five, that is a little bit high. But hey, look, he's going to have an incredible season. There's just no yeah. there's no denying that. And I, I think that I really came around to Halliburton with how good he was on that bad Sacramento team, sharing a backcourt with someone like De'Aaron Fox. And he was still, you know, last year was top 20. He was top 50 the previous year. He's just a very sound very good basketball player. He also came back from an ACL tear. Like it was nothing. Um, I love this guy. Elite steals, elite dimes. Those are rare categories. Efficient scoring, plenty of triples, maybe a block here and there. He's going to have a big year. Also the best fantasy guard with an extremely unorthodox jump shot. Tyrese Halliburton <laughs> has, has a strange release if you haven't watched him play a lot. Zach, I do want to ask you this. I, I think... When you take him ninth, you are taking him. You would argue you're not taking him at his ceiling, but I think Jared and I would argue you know, you're, you're getting close to that. But I want to ask who you got second in that draft because I, I think that kind of gives us a picture of what your team looks like because you can also get you know, potentially a guy who maybe should have gone ninth in the se early second round. So, so who did you get second there? At that point, man, I had the choice to take guys like Kyrie Irving, Devin Booker. Um, and actually, I, I swung a little bit in this because it's a mock and I kind of wanted to just feel things out. Yeah. But I, I'm very high on it. Uh, Anthony Edwards this year. So I went ahead and took him at 16, which I know was a bit high for him. Uh, but I went ahead and swung oh, okay. for the fences there and, and got Halliburton and Edwards with my first two picks in that draft. Got it. Got it. Driving up that Edwards ADP, I see, Zach. You're not, you know, you can't take him too early in too many mocks or else you won't ever get him anywhere. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> okay, so moving to the next. Uh, by the way, as for me personally, I think I'm going to try to try to get Halliburton in the second round. And if I don't get him, then I think I miss him. I think that's where I land on this one. I, I have a feeling I will want to get him on a lot of teams that might have him ranked outside my top 12. But uh, things could change between now and the start of the season. Meanwhile, let's go to Buddy Heald, who also was really good for the Pacers after coming over from Sacramento, around 18 points, five boards, 4.8 assists with Indiana for Heald, which is sneaky good assist numbers. He also had a steal per game, 3.13s in his 26 games in Indiana. Jared, are you optimistic that uh, another good season is coming for Heald, more good times for Heald in Indiana, assuming he is not dealt? That's the key there, is assuming he's not dealt. But I do like his potential in Indiana. 
you know, he, he was kind of a chucker the past couple seasons. Uh, but before that, during that top 40 campaign, when Dave Yorger was the coach in Sacramento, he was an efficient scorer. And uh, he showed us that he can be an efficient scorer again during that uh, 25 or so game stretch with the Pacers towards the end of last season. Uh, He wasn't quite top 40, but he was top 63. I think that he's going to be a mid-round guy. He's going to score hopefully efficiently. Hopefully he's used in a system that uh, is complementary of his skill set. And what I really saw from him last season was a, an incredible uptick in dimes. I did not know he could be such a successful playmaker. Yeah. So uh, I like him. And I think that he's uh, around 83.2 ADP right now. I love that. Yeah. Uh, if we're talking about Buddy Heald here, uh, I don't think you're going to get too much disagreement out of me on this one. Um, he still finished uh, 100th last year in per game value. Um, even though his shooting percentages were down, uh, his points were down. Uh, they were both low numbers, uh, I think, for the last three or four seasons. Um, so just slight improvements in efficiency and scoring, um, I, I think, is going to boost his value uh, up at least a couple of rounds. Um, so he can be probably a top 80-ish type of guy. Uh, and if you're getting three-point numbers uh, like you always get with him, which are just so elite, um, it, it certainly compensates for some of the other areas where he might be a little, uh, a little lacking. Let's quickly sort out this front court as well, because my my God, what a mess! Now, <laughs> I don't I don't think it's a mess at power forward. We think Jalen Smith is in good shape. He has a new contract. Rick Carlisle has already gotten out in front of this and said he's a starting power forward. So that certainly helps. And Jalen Smith was really good uh, down the stretch last year for Indiana. Uh, but this center rotation, Zach. I mean, you know, we've got Miles Turner, we've got Isaiah Jackson, we've got Gogo Batadze. Daniel Tice is there now yeah. as well. I mean. What? I, I, hopefully a trade is coming to to clear this up, Zach. But I mean, man, what a what an absolute mess this is. Yeah, it's it's a shame, man, because I think we were all on the Isaiah Jackson bandwagon last year. We were all excited when he started to break out, um, and then of course here comes Miles Turner back in action, so back for another year. Uh, so I, I think Isaiah Jackson is still a guy that you might want to take you know, towards the end of your draft, if his ADP doesn't soar, you know, prior to that, if people aren't reaching for him a little bit. Um, But a guy that I really do want to see is Jalen Smith. Uh, He's a guy that I'm very interested in this year in drafts. Um, If his ADP does slip a little bit, um, you've got to figure that he has the starting power forward job just locked up. Um, And when he was given extra opportunity last year, he's really balled out. I mean, we've seen some great flashes from him. And I think this is the year where he finally puts it all together for a full season. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Smith is really good. You should draft him. He's going to be excellent. Isaiah Jackson, you talked past tense. Uh, I don't remember when I stopped liking him. (laughs) He's, I think in even a 25 minute role, this guy can be excellent fantasy value. What I don't know still is how I feel about Miles Turner. Um, Mm -hmm. Look, this guy is... He gives you shot blocking numbers you do not get elsewhere. If you're in a roto league, yeah. you're winning that category, hands yeah. down. Do we think that he can replicate that elsewhere? What do the numbers look like if and when he is traded? Is that a problem? Or does he just continue to be this guy who he's been in Indiana on any team? Is it a system or is it him? I don't think, man. I, I, Yeah, I I think a guy that can block shots at an elite level, and he does have three-point upside as well. So if you look at centers that can block shots and shoot threes, 
Um, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Anthony Davis. And yeah, he carried that with him over to the Lakers. It wasn't a system in New Orleans where he was the guy. Um, you know, if you can shoot threes, you can shoot threes. It's the same way with Buddy Heald. He went from New Orleans to Sacramento and over to Indiana, and he can still put up four threes a game. Uh, so, yeah, I think Miles Turner will be fine no matter where he goes, uh, you know, just assuming the usage is still going to remain the same. But uh, he's still going to be an awesome player. So does that mean that we're taking him in round three and that's good value? Oh, no. Oh, no, that's not what it means. It means the skill set can transfer, but it doesn't mean that I, I don't have a yeah. million question marks for him and he's off my draft radar entirely this year. Yeah. By the way, when you said a second ago, when you think of centers who, you know, hit threes and block shots, I thought you were going to say Brooke Lopez. I mean, come on. Oh, no, I mean, that, I, I should have said that, yeah. <laughs> By the way, Turner, I remember last this going into this last season, Turner was a guy who I was kind of agonizing about when to draft because he would be hanging around in drafts. You'd be in the fifth round, and you're thinking to yourself, man, this, this guy averaged, what, 3.4 blocks per game the prior year, and he's just sitting there? Do I take him? Why is he still available? You know, when you're in a league with with a bunch of smart people who who do this for a living, you're like, why are they not drafting him? And then you start to overthink it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened to me with Turner last year. Granted, he had only played 47 games the year prior. This year he comes back and only plays 42. That's my biggest concern yeah. with him over even the the crowd there at center. I think if he's healthy and he's in Indiana, he's the lead guy and everyone else has to figure it out behind him. Um Usage-wise, he doesn't need a lot. He's averaged basically nine, between nine and nine and a half shots per game the last three years. He's never been a high usage guy. So ultimately, I think he's fine as long as he's healthy. That's that's by far my biggest question. What was the injury last season? Well, he had a toe at one point. It was a what toe was injury? injury? No, no, no. I, there was a toe in there at one point. Um, I think there was also a concussion. But I feel like these aren't really injuries that are... Um, I don't think but they've been a stress reaction in his foot. That's bad. Year. That's what it was. That's what it was. That's a little concerning. But maybe this is a situation where we want Miles Turner to get traded because maybe some of him missing all this time the past couple of years has been because the Pacers have been uh, bad. So maybe if he's traded to a contender, that lowers the risk of a late season shutdown. Shut down. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the way you said it the first time. <laughs> Let's stick with that. Um, all right, we're going to move now to the Pistons and just a couple topics to hit here. We'll start with Cade Cunningham. Uh, coming out for rookie year where he started agonizingly slowly shooting the basketball. You know, he was injured earlier in the year. He came back, had some atrocious shooting games. But you, he still, even with that, posted 17.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 5.5 dimes, 1.2 steals, 0.7 blocks, 1.8 threes, low field goal percentage, high turnovers. But okay, he you know, he was basically a sophomore in college at that point. Jared, how much in your mind can Cade Cunningham improve in year two? Because I almost feel like with all the hype around other young guys and new rookies coming in, he's not a forgotten guy, but do we have him high enough in our rankings? Well, uh, so when I was looking this up, uh, you know, if you punt away those turnovers, he was top 50. So this is kind of similar mm -hmm. with uh, Evan Mobley, where I could see him taking another leap in year two. And, you know, there should be a little bit of fewer turnovers. I could see also more playmaking. He's going to be more confident in the NBA, more comfortable with his teammates. The shooting will remain an issue. I do feel like he has another at least 10 rank jump in him. So that means that you're kind of needing to draft him round four. Do I want to draft him round four? 
I'm not sure Maybe. because there's a lot of proven talent in there. Now, if I find myself in a situation where I, I'm needing a point guard, you know, I love Cade. I think that he's going to have a great year, but I just, I don't love taking, cause, cause you're projecting the jump, right? You've never, we've never seen it. We only have one year of data on this guy. I prefer proven players with those first three, four rounds, but I do think that Cade has a big season coming. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the complete opposite uh, take on this one. Uh, Kate is a guy that is absolutely not going to be drafted on any of my teams this year. Uh, just be- oh. yeah, just because of the ridiculous price you have to pay for him, which is uh, third round, uh-huh. which I've pretty consistently seen. Um, so, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, very high turnovers. If you punt the turnovers, that's awesome. I mean, you can certainly do it, but so many leagues play with that ninth category, which is turnovers, and he ranked seventh in the NBA in those last year. Um, so an increase yeah. in usage, an increase in playmaking will probably lead to more turnovers. Um, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and call him something that might sound blasphemous here, but he's Russell Westbrook light to me. No, 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 Hear me out here. Hear me out. No, no. Hear me out. No. You're saying four turnovers from this man? Listen, hear me out Proceed. Proceed. Hear me out now. Cade, 17, 6, and 6, 41.6% shooting, 3.7 turnovers, 1.2 steals as a rookie. Westbrook, 15, 5, and 5, 39.8% shooting, 3.3 turnovers. That's almost half a turnover less than Cade. 1.3 steals. They're, the, those rookie seasons are eerily similar to me. And obviously, Prime Westbrook was a guy that you were drafting very early in fantasy drafts. But are you really going to put that much stock into Cade year two that he's going to make a major jump in field goal percentage where that's going to be a category that drags you down and turnovers are going to drag you down? Uh, you know, obviously, if you build him into your punt strategy, that's wonderful. Uh, but if we're just talking about in a vacuum, or with other punt strategies, he's a guy that no way he's going to live up to third round value. I, fifth or sixth round, maybe. He was a top 80 or 90 guy last year. He's not jumping up four or five rounds this year. It's absurd. There's no way that Cade Cunningham is going to average four turnovers a game. Yes, I understand that he averaged 3.7 as a rookie. I would expect that number to improve, not get worse. I The Westbrook comparison. Westbrook was a shooting guard in college who was forced to learn point guard and is still arguably out of position. And he's been this end of his career has been just unimaginably awful. I do not see that trajectory for Cade. Cade is a point guard. He's a tall point guard, too. He's a six foot eight point guard. He has a nice jumper. Now, his shot collection, his shot selection last season. Yeah, sure. There was questionable shot selection. But these are things that you improve upon as you get older in the NBA. I think that I wouldn't say the top 30 is completely out of the question, assuming you're punting turnovers. But I don't expect those turnovers to be in Russell Westbrook territory. Yeah, I, I mean, just so we're clear here, I'm not comparing them as actual players. Obviously, they're different players, as you mentioned. But for fantasy purposes, I think there's a lot of similarities. I really do. It's going to be high usage, high counting numbers, low efficiency, high turnovers. Uh, and I don't see that as a guy that's going to be a top 30 pick for me. That's fair. By the way, he started out last season 7-13 for, for 56 shooting in his first four games. If you take that away and you give him a pass and say well he was hurt right Mm -hmm. the rest of the way he shoots uh 43 so i don't know what that means to you may mean nothing um you can't just necessarily take out 
games and say, oh, he's that kind of shooter. But there was first four games and and maybe kind of outliers, you know, whatever. I, I get the point. And, and to, to the question I started this with, apparently we don't have him ranked too low. He's going in like the third round. So he's not, he's not, you know, <laughs> falling too far in drafts. I don't know that I'm taking him in the third round either. I do like him. And uh, yeah, there we have it. Let's, let's look to uh, the, the other, well, one of the other intriguing young Pistons, Jaden Ivey, who this team took number five overall. We've all watched him in college at Purdue. We know he's an explosive athlete, but Zach, what does he look like to you as a fantasy player? Like, you know, his college stats, good in scoring, et cetera, but we, we don't necessarily take college numbers and cut and paste them over to the pros. Scotty Barnes is a great example of that, right? But he wasn't like a big steals or blocks guy, for example. What does he look like to you as a fantasy player? Do you, do you are you optimistic in this case that that he is going to be a breakout rookie? Uh, I'm optimistic that he can have a good season. I, I'm not necessarily optimistic that he's going to be uh, a huge fantasy player, right? I think he can be useful in 12 team leagues. Uh, do I think he'll get to the top mm-hmm. 100? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I you know obviously you worry as a rookie about the efficiency. Uh, you. Obviously, right. he's going to be a great scorer. We've seen just how electric he was at Purdue. So I don't think anybody's worried about that. Uh, but when you have to share a backcourt with a guy like Cade Cunningham, who we just mentioned, who's going to have the ball in his hands uh, so often, I'm sure Ivy's going to be forced to play more off ball. Uh, so you got to wonder how that looks for him, uh, especially in his first year. You're getting used to the NBA, and now you're switching from point guard to more of, uh, you know, like an off guard. Uh, he's not a guy that I'm necessarily super thrilled to have on my fantasy team this year. But I, I do think he can be uh, – I do think he can be useful maybe towards the end of your drafts. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about him. I feel that, you know, he's a really talented player. He's an explosive guard. Um, maybe the fact that he's a score first guard will help him a little bit with that transition playing off the ball more. But I, I just kind of feel like it's going to take a little bit of time. I feel like he's going to be more of a second half guy. Maybe this is someone you take towards the back end of your draft and maybe it's really bad for the first month and you drop him, you pick him up later. Um you know, I, I, like Zach said, I'm not sure this is a guy that cracks top 100. He's a guy that I, I will be interested in watching. I think that he has tons of potential. I'm just not sure the fantasy numbers are going to shake out his rookie run. All right. That is going to do it. By the way, that's the end of our five teams here on this episode in the Central Division. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We will be back next Friday talking Heat, Hawks, Hornets, and more as we preview the Southeast Division. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening today. And Jared, Zach, thanks to both of you guys. I look forward to future demarguments between the two of you on this podcast. <laughs> May this not be the last. I enjoyed it, guys. Uh, have a good weekend. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Adios. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 